All right, join with me in prayer. Oh Lord God, we give thanks to you for our for our being sustained for our life and the many gifts that you have given to bring us to this day in peace and safety. We pray that you would teach and instruct us to make our minds attentive and teachable, that with our heart and soul, mind and strength, we might pursue that which is good and pleasing in your sight. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Today we come to uh, another virtue as we speak of these qualities, characteristics that ought to mark us and mark us more and more to to demonstrate, to be trained in. Uh, And today we come to steadfastness. Uh, Steadfastness I use here as the title. I had been saying I was going to use fortitude, um, but I decided on steadfastness. But keep in mind that this is a collection of uh, related virtue words that would be uh, connected here. Uh, Think of fortitude, courage, boldness, steadfastness, endurance, perseverance, patience, and diligence. Uh, Think of that kind of collection of of virtues which might overlap or be related to each other, um, both referring to the kind of the daring to to do something difficult or uh, challenging or where there's danger involved, as well as that perseverance in continuing to do it and to not give up. Um, and uh, the word I'm going to use generally is steadfastness, but we'll probably use some of those other words as well, courage and endurance. Revelation 14.12 says, Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Uh, that is the, the way that we are uh, told to walk in, the commandments of God, faith in Jesus Christ, and it takes endurance and courage to hold fast to that course, to not be led astray, to not be pushed out of that way, uh, but to, to endure to the end. And so there is a call for the endurance of the saints. It's not merely a New Testament call. We can think of many examples in the Old Testament as well that called for courage, and things of that sort. In Deuteronomy and Joshua and First Chronicles, we have an exhortation. It's almost given in identical words each time with variations, but it goes something like this. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. I think that one came from Deuteronomy 31, but those elements get rearranged and all kind of said, both from Moses to Israel, uh, from Moses to Joshua, from God to Joshua, as well as from David to Solomon. Uh, when, when Moses is dying, he's exhorting Israel and Joshua, they're going to go into the promised land, this big project where there uh, could be things that would be fearful to most people, uh, that they're told to not fear because the Lord their God is with them and would not leave them or forsake them, so be strong and of good courage. And similarly, when David was, was exhorting Solomon to build the temple of God, had this project ahead of him, uh, going to take endurance and, and steadfastness, he encouraged him in the same way. 
Uh, the Lord is with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and of good courage. And of course, some of these lines are picked up in the New Testament as well, uh, quoted in Hebrews chapter uh, 13. And so there's a call for courage. There's a call for courage in the New Testament too. Christ has given the church a more intimidating task than was given Joshua or Solomon. What's the task that Christ gave the church? Is it to conquer the, the land of Canaan? Right, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all the nations. Uh, the Great Commission. And that is a, a, a large task. will take multi-generational endurance, individually and corporately, and also there's a lot of hostility towards it, right? Persecution and uh, opposition from the world, the flesh, and the devil. But what is, how does Jesus encourage them when he gives them that commission? Right. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. A similar uh, exhortation, similar support that God gave Joshua. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. Alfred, did you have something you were going to say too? No? Okay. So, 11 times in the book of Acts, boldness or boldly is used to describe those who spoke the word of God. Um, One of those times they're praying for boldness in chapter 4, and then they speak the word with boldness, and then they speak the word boldly and preach it boldly uh, 11 times in the book of Acts. It took uh, boldness to speak it forthrightly, uh, uh, plainly, but in, in, uh, publicly. Courage is required for preachers, um, and it's also required for the whole church as it pursues this mission. At the end of 1 Corinthians uh, 16, uh, not only does the Apostle Paul say, let all you do be done in love, a virtue we looked at earlier, right? But he also says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Uh, and so the church is not called to be weak. Uh, the church is called to be strong. Uh, the, the church is told to stand firm in the faith. In fact, John says, you are strong. You have overcome. Right? I mean, he writes in 1 John, you have been given strength by God, having received Christ, now walk in this path. Do not give up, do not be moved out of the way, be watchful, stand firm, act like men, be strong. So this courage and strength should be thought of in both in terms of not running away from a position, the idea of standing firm, you're not going to run, you're not going to flee as well as not turning aside from your course. Now, you have an aim or you have a path, a path of duty, and you're not going to depart from it or give up. You're going to continue the work despite challenges. If you get knocked down, you're going to get back up. Uh, in other words, it's both a defensive and an offensive uh, idea. Do not abandon the Lord, but go forward with your duty. Now, the fact is, we face challenges and temptations that make this a necessary virtue. It's not enough to know and understand the faith. A person who knows the truth but is not steadfast might be swept away by the crowd. A person who knows the truth but is without self-discipline or patience can be distracted. And, oh, there's another flashy thing. Let me follow after that. Uh, And and, uh, uh, 
uh, be taken away. A person who knows the truth but does not have the strength of character may cave in against his better judgment. As Theodore Beza said, in the midst of availing adversity, steadfastness is among the greatest of the moral virtues. Uh, We need steadfastness, uh, strength, uh, endurance. There's a threefold enemy that seeks your destruction. The, the flesh that wages war, the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul, the devil that seeks to devour you, the world that seeks to push you by carrot and stick out of the way. Some people go astray. Uh, not every gospel seed perseveres. Think of the parable of the sower. Uh, not all of them had steadfastness or endurance. Uh, the seeds were all tested, right? The, the sun came out. Some of them shriveled up, some of them didn't, um, and steadfastness is a quality of those that endure. Uh, some endure in the faith and yet cause great harm by their lack of steadfastness. They might be saved because they do have true faith, but their faith was weak and they therefore swerved and uh, made bad decisions, sinned, and hurt others and caused damage to the church of Christ. And we don't want to do that either. And this happens in the Bible, it happens today. And I think our, our culture in particular is prone to flux. It's not geared, it's not built, it doesn't encourage stability. Uh, usually it, it encourages lots of different choices, and you can do this or that, and the next thing is always better than the last thing. Uh, it's a mobile culture with a, a tendency to scorn old things. And so it seems to be increasingly, oh, and also, it seems to be increasingly ready to demand conformity. Uh, Not so much a live and let live, but more so you are contributing to uh, what they perceive as injustice if you don't actively squelch it, and and therefore we can't tolerate any uh, disagreement, which uh, is especially a problem if the majority position is contrary to uh, the Christian faith. Uh, So there are are pressures. Now, there are pressures, there's challenges, but there's also God's grace. Uh, We know the doctrine of perseverance, that all who are chosen by God and come to true faith in Christ will endure to the end. Uh, Those who depart, uh, who fall away, uh, John says, were not of us. Uh, They were not good soil to begin with. But those who are elect and do exercise true saving faith in Christ uh, will endure to the end. Uh, John six thirty seven through 40 teaches that all who are given by the Father to the Son, all those chosen, will come to the Son and will be kept by the Son and will be raised up to the glorious resurrection on the last day. They will not be lost. Or Paul We'll say in Philippians 1, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And so perseverance is a gift. Uh, Nevertheless, it's also something that we do using the means that he gave us. Uh, One mark of true faith is that it is a faith that endures. So keep in mind both preservation by God as a grace to give thanks for, and also the perseverance of the saints, that you continue to persevere. 
Persevere in reliance upon the grace of God, praying for his strength and giving him the praise for this work in your life. All right, so let's think a little bit more on steadfastness as, as a quality. Um, the Bible speaks of steadfastness, perseverance, and endurance as virtues, which we ought to develop and practice. And all three of those words are, um, come from the same Greek word or, or are translations in your English Bibles of one Greek word, the three words being steadfastness, perseverance, and endurance. Occasionally patience, too, I think, although there's another word for patience as well. This Greek word is uh, hupamane, and the capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. Or the verb form, you know, to, to do this is to maintain a belief or course of action in the face of opposition, uh, to stand one's ground to hold out, to endure. Um, Aristotle contrasted the man of endurance, hupamane, with the soft and effeminate man who is easily overcome by pain and difficulty. That would be the opposite. You know, someone who who easily gives up. Oh no, it's going to be a little hard. I'm going to head on back. Uh, What is the character in Pilgrim's Progress? Is it it pliable that, that hits the slew of despond and all of a sudden, oh, this is going to be hard. I'm going to head back to the city of destruction. Um, did not have hupamane, did not have steadfastness or endurance. So Peter tells you to make every effort to supplement your faith with virtues, including this one, hupamane, steadfastness. Add to faith virtue, virtue knowledge, knowledge. Uh, One of those is steadfastness. It's a quality that you should add to your faith so that possessing these things you, you may not fail. Paul told Timothy to pursue steadfastness, along with other virtues in 1 Timothy 6. Pursue steadfastness. Later, Paul commended Timothy for following Paul's steadfastness. You have followed my steadfastness. You can see how I endured persecution and still kept the faith and ran, ran the race. And you have followed my steadfastness. That is good. In Titus 2, 2, Paul taught older men in particular, you know, as he's saying older men, older women, younger men, younger women, um, he says older men should be sound, uh, I think it's in faith, in love. I know one of them, though, is in steadfastness. I can turn to that just to be sure I'm not misquoting him. In Titus 2, 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. So a mature man will be sober, sound, and steadfast. It's important for every Christian. It's all the more important when others are going to be looking up to you, if you carry more weight in the community, to be steadfast and dependable, uh, to be a ballast to those around you, uh, to not to be someone that's always going any which direction. So, I think I've already said this, but to say it again, steadfastness is negatively not to depart out of the way of duty because of difficulty. Joseph demonstrated steadfastness. Can you think of an example from the life of Joseph in the Old Testament that demonstrated this quality? (laughs) 
That's right. That's right. It's a little ironic. He, he, he stood fast in his, in his faith and his convictions by fleeing, in that case, by getting out of there. So it doesn't always literally mean you stand in one place. But yes, he resisted the temptation. He resisted Potiphar's wife, even though she pressed on him uh, multiple times. And I was seeking to, to pressure him, but he remained firm. He didn't give in. Um, Paul exhorts the saints in the New Testament, continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. But it's also positively to continue and not give up, uh, to press on and do not give up because it's getting hard or because it's taking a long time. That's where the idea of of patience kind of comes in, um, and endurance uh, let us not grow weary in, in doing good, as Galatians says. It is to run the race to the end. You know, if you run a long race, uh, partway through it, you're going to start to feel like, oh, this is a long ways. Uh, maybe I should just stop. Is it, am I, is it worth it to continue to the end? Yeah, you know, it takes that endurance to press on to the goal. And so let us press on to the goal following Christ and the glory that awaits. Any questions at this point about steadfastness or, or related virtues? So, one qualification. Is steadfastness always a virtue? Can it be misapplied? Yeah. When, when would it be twisted to the wrong purpose? Right, when you're steadfast in your sin, when you fix upon a wrong course and won't budge from it, right? That's why wisdom is important too, and justice or righteousness is important too. You need the right goal. You need the right path. Um, Courage and endurance, if directed by folly or evil, can do much harm, Uh, but that would be the the perversion of this virtue, uh, putting it to the wrong end. On the other hand... It's been long noted that the other virtues are not worth much without steadfastness. Uh, They will fade away or disappear in a trial. Imagine a really good tennis player, but he gets worn out after two minutes. Uh, You know, all that skill put to waste because he's not going to be able to to finish the match. Um, Steadfastness turns the other traits into habits, into character. Uh, Romans 5.4 says... Endurance produces character uh, in his, his chain of different virtues there. Uh, endurance, steadfastness, hupamone, produces character. Or James 1.4 says, And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Do you want to be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing? Sounds like something good to be aspired to. That is the full effect of steadfastness. Now, Scripture exhorts us to this. Jesus says twice in Matthew, the one who endures to the end will be saved. Uh, Perseverance is an essential part of the Christian life. It's a, a requirement. Continuing in the faith is necessary to receive the reward. He who endures to the end will be saved. Hebrews 10.36 says, 
for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. So do you have need of endurance? Yes. Uh, the Bible says so. In fact, Hebrews 10 through 12 is, is kind of an extended um, exhortation, well, you could say maybe all of Hebrews in general, but especially 10 through 12, an extended exhortation on this matter. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but have faith and preserve our souls. And then he goes through chapter 11, all these people who, who persevered, who endured by faith. The faith supported their endurance. Because they had faith, therefore they endured. And at the end, we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who endured. Endured the shame, endured the cross, therefore let's run the race with endurance, uh, looking to him. Uh, we have need of it, so let us have faith and therefore run with endurance, looking especially to Jesus, both the object of our faith and the example of endurance. That he did it, we should do likewise, looking to him as our Savior. James as well holds up another example in the epistle of James. He mentions a person from the Old Testament, Job. Job was an example of endurance. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. Um, He suffered much. Uh, Everything was taken away. He endured pain personally, and yet he did not uh, curse God. He did not, he he certainly poured out his agony and struggled, uh, but yet uh, he ran the race with endurance, despite all the afflictions that even came from his friends. Uh, And you saw the Lord's purpose, how he was compassionate and merciful. In the end, uh, Job was restored, uh, that God did not uh, abandon him, but rather there was a trial. Uh, for him to endure. Now, without steadfastness, we are easily deceived and or cowardly. The unstable man will be driven and tossed by the wind, or deceived or deceiving himself. Uh, Revelation 21, and speaking of those who are cast into the lake of fire, includes the cowardly and the faithless. Just as there's a call for the endurance of the saints, So those who turn coward and flee from Christ in the day of trial uh, will not uh, be saved, uh, but rather are those who fall away and are cast into the lake of fire. Now, even when the instability, like I said, does not lead to eternal judgment, it can cause serious trouble in a believer's life and witness. Consider how Peter named, what does Peter mean? The rock, right? The rock. That's an image of steadfastness. But was he a rock at first? No, he, he, he kind of said he was, right? He thought he was. But whether he was walking on the water and then starts to drift uh, or to sink, or in the trial of Christ where he denies Christ three times, he proved to not be steadfast. But uh, through repentance, you know, he was restored. And he learned steadfastness the hard way. And he's the one that later in Second Peter is exhorting the saints to steadfastness. He, is, he was about then to move on to his martyrdom. He would be steadfast. He would be a rock that would stand by the, his confession of Christ. Uh, but it would be learned uh, the hard way uh, in his life. Now, we have helps to perseverance. We have helps really to all the virtues. Uh, but let's think of them in terms of 
this quality. What are some things that God has given us to help us to be steadfast, to grow in our stability and courage? The Holy Spirit. The Word of God. Specific promises Therefore, be you steadfast. Mm, mm-hmm. And that's based on knowing that there's no sting to death. And that whole argument is based on Christ's own resurrection. So you have the history right. as well. Right. So 1 Corinthians 15. And I think I actually mentioned this the other way around when I was talking about hope. That an application of hope is steadfastness. Well, so we can go back from steadfastness. What what's, supports it is faith and hope that we believe these promises, we have an expectation of them as well, and, and that encourages us to therefore hold fast even though we don't receive them yet, you know, to, be, to look, to be patient and to uh, stand firm. Um, I think it's in First Thessalonians, it speaks of the work of faith, the labor of love, and the uh, steadfastness of hope. I forget if it's steadfastness or endurance, but that word, steadfastness of hope, that hope uh, causes us to be steadfast, and that's based upon the word of God and his, his promises, like the resurrection from the dead. Uh, we're also told to assemble with the church. So Hebrews 10, in exhorting you to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, so that's a call to endurance, he exhorts them to meet together, that they might be stirred up and encouraged by one another. We've been given the instruction and the discipline of the church. Uh, we've been given the word of God. That's what Joshua was given too, to think upon the law of God day and night, even as he was encouraged to be strong and of good courage. In particular, a sanctified use of trials produces steadfastness. Like other virtues, steadfastness is built up by consistently practicing it. Not giving in to the pressure, but responding with patience, resolve, and earnest prayer, striving for help. Steadfastness is like a muscle that grows with use. Overcoming smaller trials builds up steadfastness. This, I didn't just come up with this, but you might be able to think already of certain verses that encourage people in trials that this is a fruit from the trial that you can look forward to. Uh, Not that hardship in itself is a good thing, but that God uses hardship for the good of believers so that believers can rejoice. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? Why should we rejoice? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. In, in Romans chapter 5, verse 4, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And so, these trials, particularly uh, a right use of trials, um, and which, which God puts to our use and our good, produces greater steadfastness. Even when a person succumbs to a trial, like Peter, 
that can be useful if they then humble themselves before God with grief and hatred of their sin, turning unto him, um, and are stirred up uh, to, to depart from pride and slothfulness to repentance. Uh, just as if, you, if you're learning a sport and you have a really bad game, um, that could discourage you. You could give up. That, that would be one direction. But you could also be humbled and realize, I need to train harder. I need to get better at this. And that could actually spur you on uh, to greater growth, um, as it would do, for example, with, with Peter. Not, uh, but it should also be a motive in the moment of decision when you're faced with the, pain, uh, the threat of pain or comf- discomfort or ridicule that you want to build a habit of steadfastness. Now, when you compromise, it's going to set you back. Uh, if, if you endure and you remain steadfast in that smaller trial, it'll make it easier for the next time. Of course, the next time might be bigger. You're getting ready for it. But if you have a habit of remaining firm, of not giving in, uh, that you're being prepared, you're growing in this virtue, ready to stand firm the next time. And so that should be encouragement in the midst of your current temptation to, to begin uh, remaining, uh, to train yourself for this virtue. And of course, we have prayer. Uh, P, uh, J, Jesus told the disciples, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation, uh, that we are given prayer as a means of grace to build us up, to remain firm. So perseverance, there's a, there's a challenge, a need for it. It's a gift of God. It's a virtue which we ought to practice supported by these means that God has given. At its end is glory. Uh, Its end is that gift of grace that we see by faith, uh, the everlasting kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's be of good courage and be steadfast. Join with me in prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for holding out before us our, our hope of, of glory and blessedness and uh, a, a deliverance from suffering and curse and trials, having lifted our condemnation through Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us to remain steadfast, to not fear uh, the, the enemies of our faith, uh, to not fear what man may do to me, but rather that you would help us to be of good courage, to to go forward even with your work and with the duty you have given to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.